if you can find it in you to survive, if you are worthy, then I will make you into something more than them, something eternal. Apocalypse. Dang. You know who Apocalypse is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Sabah, no! Mm, I don't know what that is, though. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And today we're talking about House of X number two. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Exciting. Look at that. Look at you and your little puns. hey So cute. Hey, so we got a couple of different covers to look at today. That's exciting. Um, do you want to see the traditional one or do you want to see the variants that I have? Traditional first. Traditional first. Set me up with what the people get. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Okay, let's see. How many people can I name? Magneto, Jean Grey, Professor X, Mystique. Is that the blob? Yep. Wolverine. That's Moira. I'm going to assume that blonde is Emma Frost. Yep. Cyclops. Apocalypse. Is that Apocalypse? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Wolverine. Did I say Wolverine? Yeah. And that's it. That's all I got. So you see- Like half at least. So you see Moira in the green and then what looks like potentially other Moira. Yeah. Like (laughs) different versions of Moira. Moira, if she was a nerd. Moira, if she was a schoolgirl. <laughs> Moira, if she was Apocalypse. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. <laughs> yes, you do. And let's check out the variants that okay, I have. Okay, variants. Let's go. Um, first, let's look at the other one of the Marvel Unlimited connecting covers so we can check out that connection. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. That's Age of Apocalypse Wolverine, New X-Men's Phoenix or Jean Grey, Magneto and Charles Xavier from the House of X, and Beast also from the New X-Men. Beast looks like so much... um... Feline. Yeah. Yeah. He was going through through some stuff. He's going through some changes. And then here is... The issue that I had gotten when I bought it when it first came out, and it is the first of a connecting cover combo with the next issue of Powers of Ten. All right, I'm into this one because it looks like a lot of late. It's all ladies. Yes, and they're all fierce looking. Um, and this was drawn by Yasmin Putri. Nice, Psylocke, Rogue, Mystique, Storm. Jean Grey. That's all I know. Right? That's Psylocke. Yep. I nailed it. Danny Moonstar, Kitty Pride, Magic, and Emma Frost. Oh, where's Emma Frost? Oh, the one touching her head? Yeah. Doing, doing <laughs> telepath hands? Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I think of all of these, as cool as it is that these other two variants connect, I think the, the OG is, is yeah. yeah, that's the one. And that's my fave. For the most part, the original is going to be the most indicative of the content 
right? So you see all these different characters. You see all these potential sides of Moira. Mm -hmm. So let's check it out. Let's do it to it. Okay, here we go. Ooh. All right, so this is the quote that you read us at the beginning. Yep, from Apocalypse, always about finding the people that are worthy. Classic Apocalypse, survival of the fittest. Are you worthy? We shall see. Page your noise. And this first page talks about the life of Moira. Okay, the life of Moira. I mean, she's having a, a grand old time. She kind of reminds me of like old school Heidi mm-hmm. <laughs> running through the fields. Yeah. Dancing with her braids. Yeah. And it talks about how in the beginning when she was 13, Moira fell ill. Her fever was high, unnaturally so, and the doctor's prognosis was not hopeful. But then the next day, almost miraculously, she was fine, right as rain. What? It was a good life, a human life. Predictable, mostly pleasant, and not extraordinary at all. Moira's second life... Her what now? ...began in utero. It was the womb birth of a fully sentient being who had a perfect recollection of her prior life. This what? is... this is What? Yeah. Mind-blowing, game-changing, what, what, what? Moira's not a mutant. Uh, we've never known if Moira was or was not a mutant. While you slept, the world changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Moira is a mutant. What? And so she's born... Okay, so she's born again and remembers her past life. Imagine waking up in the womb. That'd be weird. Knowing that you have lived a full human life and now you're in in the womb. You're You're in the room. You're ready to do it again. So she lives a a new life. Does that mean that she... Is like reincarnation, like time, what has happened in the past for her. So her first life, say her first life was like for 50 years or however many years it says she died. 74. So 74 years. Is she being born after those 74 years or she's reliving those? She's she's born on her same birthday. It's just she has the recollection of having lived a full life. Okay. So, she so li- she's like another timeline? Kind of. All right. I'm sure the issue will yeah. give me more information. And it talks about how her parents began to believe that she was special. And she was, just not the way that they thought. There was nothing special about Moira learning to walk, speak, and read early. She was born knowing how to do those things. She was a different kind of special, something new. And she didn't know it, but Moira was a mutant. Moira was a mutant. Title page. The Uncanny Life of Moira X. Written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by Pepe Larraz. Colors by Marta Gracia. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And designed by Tom Muller. All right. Let's dive in. 
What's this? A little poem? Got a little little poetry about Moira's life. A little different take on the data page. And she talks about not wanting people to know what she really was. That the pride that her parents would potentially quickly turn to fear if she pulled back the curtain a little too far. If she let on the fact that she was more than just a gifted, intelligent person. She had actually lived a full life. Like, How do you even manage that as a child, knowing things that children should not know? Right. Well, wait, I shouldn't do that because I wouldn't be able to know how to do that at this point. <laughs> oh, no, I just tied my, sh- my own shoe. No one's taught me how to oh, do that crap. yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was pushed toward academia, a life of the mind. She wanted to do that because she wanted to understand who or what she was. She starts talking about going to Oxford, concentrating on psychology and biology, doing experiments to prove if her memories were actually true or if they were disorder or psychosis. So trying to make sense of if things that happened in history as she remembered them, personal historical markers from her first life, if they actually were something that she remembered or if she was just delusional. Right, because if you are all of a sudden born and you know all these things, how do you know that that's not normal? Right. That everybody doesn't just know things when they're born. Oh, or yeah. Where did these memories come from? And, and there at this point, there's no conversation about what mutants are. Hmm. Interesting. And so she discovered two things through that. One, that if she just performed what she remembered, what she knew had happened in her first life, she would be a passive participant. She would just be there. Things would continue as they would. But if she actively participated, then she could change what happened. She would create a divergent path in her new life. New threads. New threads new narrative of what actually happens. So she has the ability to change the timeline. Basically. Exciting stuff. Moira, you used to be just a le- just a lady. I mean, a, a badass lady. Yes. A gun, machine gun toting. Yes, that's true. Neuroscientists or genetic scientists. Okay, I take it back. You were more than just a lady. <laughs> more than just a lady. I mean, she's introduced as like the housekeeper or what she's coming to be the housekeeper, but then gradually written to having a, a deep scientific background. Cool, cool, cool. Another Chris Claremont creation. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, You're Chris. You're awesome. And she's talking here about how you would think that this might be a good thing, but actually it's a curse or she came to know it as a curse. It wasn't a blessing at all. All the things that she knew were going to happen, meeting the love of your life, already knowing every flaw they possess along with the knowledge that they will never change destroyed any chance of Moira recreating what she had in her first life. So yeah, I wonder what that's like, right? So she, this life actually, you can compare this little photo here where it's just her in the house to in the first life, where she's surrounded by children, she's surrounded by her husband. So she just doesn't do any of those things because she already knows they're going to happen? There would be no family for Moira in this life, no one to love, 
no one to be loved by, no children in the yard playing and laughing. That's so sad. Yeah. And she wondered, damned as she was, if there were others like her in the world, ruining it right alongside her. She saw a man on television, someone that she met briefly in school. And look at that. Charles. Charles Xavier. Okay. Lady. Well, yeah, go for it. But he's in a wheelchair. Is he in a wheelchair or is he just in a chair? He's in a wheelchair. But he's not in a wheelchair in the first episode. I mean, the first issue. Right. Well, so these are, we're, we're looking at it at a different time. He's, he's standing right there. Yes. And then later on when she sees him. So this is when she's at Oxford mm-hmm. and she remembers meeting or hearing about this guy, Xavier, talking about things. And then she sees him on TV years later in a wheelchair, revealing himself to the world being a mutant. And then she's like, oh, dang, I'm a mutant. She just knew she had to do something. She knew that she was a mutant, too, and that she had to talk with this man and find out for sure. So she hops on a plane and the plane crashes and she dies. Oh, man. (laughs) That's unfortunate. In Moira's third life. So she starts pressing even further into what she wants to focus on. So she starts to major in anthropology and genetics, actively seeking out Charles Xavier when they were both at Oxford. Oh my gosh. So she she was so close to to talking to Charles. Like, I'm on my way to you, Charles. Oh, I just died in a plane crash. Yeah. So now I have to be a baby again. I gotta go through this and whole thing. I have to go again. through college again and school again before I, I get to the answer. Temper my knowledge so that people aren't freaked out. Patience is a virtue, my friends. Yeah. And she, this combination of her not liking her natural abilities, not liking her mutant powers, along with discovering kind of the arrogance of Xavier's ideas and what she felt was his thinly disguised God complex made her fearful of revealing <laughs> what she was to him. She didn't want to tell him that she was a mutant and that she had lived two lives. He, at this point when in Oxford, he does not reveal that he's a mutant yet. He's not telling anybody. He's just pushing these ideas that would benefit mutant, mutant kind. So I still can't wrap my head around If she's reliving her life over and over again, then there are offshoots or in, okay, comparing it to uh, Days of Future Past, right? So they go and they change the timeline. So the other timeline no longer exists. Mm -hmm. So every time that Moira dies... Does the other timeline cease to exist or there are just multiple timelines and she lives through many of them? Those are good questions. Okay, cool. So you're not going <laughs> to answer me. Awesome. <laughs> but that's a good way of thinking about it, of, of how to decipher it. She is living her life again and has the ability to make it different, to make well, it Well, no wonder she hates her mutant powers. How right. lame. Right. Well, having to having to grow up as a child, change my diaper, mom. Like right. imagine being a toddler, not being able to speak, being this her third life, having 
years of backlog of, of having gone to Oxford and become right, a, all this a scientist and, and running experiments. And, and in a sense, she's immortal, but she has no way of holding on to anything. She, so, she keeps her intelligence. Right, but... Everything she's done, everything she's she learned. She still has to start over every single time. Yeah. So, you know, you have immortality, but... Kind you of, yeah. live like Groundhog Day life, right? Which, for, but for the whole year, what was that other movie that we just saw, Palm Springs? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, 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 that was good. And so she right. devotes her life to curing the world of it. She decides to come up with a cure for mutants. Moira, because she's suffering. She she's yeah. living this this torment. Of being trapped in her own existence. But does she, I guess she would say, you know, it's your choice if you want to take the cure or not. Oh, we see that in the next page. Oh, snap. So here at the bottom of this, she's presenting this cure to her fellow scientists. Look at her smile. She's so happy. Look at I made this. I'm going to fix it. It's going to be great, y'all. Next page. No, it's not. Everything's on fire. (laughs) Like literally... Bottom of the panel, sunshine and rainbows. Top of the next page, death. Death and destruction. And we see Mystique and Destiny. I don't think you know who Destiny is. No, I don't. She's a part of Mystique's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is the second generation of the Brotherhood. Okay. And she and Mystique are lovers. And it's recently been contextualized explicitly that they are wives. Good for them. Yeah. Good for Marvel. Yeah, that's it, it awesome. was it was subtext for a really long time, but they finally came out and say, no, they're they're married. They're married. It's real. They're married and they're a destructive duo, but it's all good. And so Destiny's mutant power, she has the power to see the future, which is a trick with someone like you, since your power is reincarnation. She can't see exactly what's happening with this per- because time is bending around Moira because she's lived right. And Moira's has so future is so, unpredictable. Yeah. Could That's be crazy. all these different things. And so she, Destiny is blind physically, but she can see the future as her mutant power. And she's like, is, is she looking at me now, Raven? Yes, she is. And she doesn't look happy. <laughs> so there's a, is there a time jump here between her presenting? How do we get here? What's happening here? I've been confused. So she's presenting her, I mean, and we only know what they give you. Right, so exactly. She's presenting her science breakthrough, and then shortly after, a year after, we we assume Destiny finds that this is happening. She's able to see possibilities, eventualities. Her, her precognition ability is not explicit. She can see possibilities and pathways. Gotcha. And so she sees that this is happening, and the Brotherhood goes and destroys right. this lab well of course they do because the brotherhood is like mutant and proud so right right you're not gonna create this thing and then Destiny's like well of course she's mad we've given her good reason listen to me child my mutant name is destiny and i have the power to see the future moira's pissed you killed all my friends everyone so if you're going to kill me then just kill me and get it over with Mystique's like, no, no, we'll get to that. Just kill me so I can be a baby and a toddler and a teen all over again. All over again. But Destiny has a word for you. She's talking about the gift of knowledge. And here you are using it to betray your own kind. 
Moira calls it a disease, what we are. I'm not trying to force anyone on it. It's only for people that want it. And Destiny's saying, you think it stops at want? You think they'll let you keep this thing that you've made? Do you have any idea how much they hate us? The humans will come for you. They'll break you, chain you, and make you their own. Then mankind will use what you've done here to eliminate our entire race. Yeah, that seems like a general sort of X-Men paradox. Do we cure mutantness? What would you call it? The mutant gene? Yeah. Would Do we cure that for people who don't want it? Like um, Beast? Isn't that how Beast became fully Beast? Well, in the, in the movie, In the yeah. movies. And, you know, it's just... You know, Rogue. You know, what we're talking about is X-Men The Last Stand. Mm-hmm. Right, when they had the cure and then they weaponize it in that movie. Right. It's like, well, you can't just cure it if people don't think it's a disease. Mm-hmm. And more is like, how do you think you're going to stop me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Destiny. just going to be born again and do it anyway. Well, Destiny says, I'm much older. My powers will have manifested full of the knowledge of what you have done. And if you once again try to do this evil work against our people like today, I will see the potential outcome of it and find you again. If you try to kill me before I kill you, I will see my end coming and prevent it. So they're both... Now they're like connected. This is such a huge standoff. Because Destiny can now see the potential of Mora. She's aware that this reincarnation mutant exists. Right, but if... Moira dies if it resets mm-hmm. does destiny necessarily see her every single time now she sees the potential if Moira starts going down this path destiny sees that oh, like as a potential red future. flag right okay so her power can have manifested that and can see that as a potential threat happening to mutants <laughs> she's telling her change or die help your people or I will annihilate you in all of your lives to come. And I love just, it's it's the very like, hey, hands up. <laughs> Yay, I'm evil. Um, and so on that, on that next page of the spread, she kind of whispers to Moira, I see 10 lives, Moira, maybe 11 if you make the right choice at the end. But that is all. And she's like, how do you, how do you know that? Like there's a limit? Right. Like she's a cat. Cats have nine <laughs> lives. Moira's have ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially eleven. If you die as a child before your mutant powers manifest, then you will not reincarnate. You simply end like everyone else. But aren't her mutant powers manifesting in the womb? Her consciousness. She's oh. aware of her. And I think, so her mutant powers manifest at like 13. And that was the reference in the first page to her becoming deathly ill Oh, at 13. And, and then miraculously. Gotcha. So she goes through her mutant awakening. Her mutant puberty. Yeah. <laughs> her muberty. I was going to do it too. <laughs> and I was like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but I did it anyway. Yeah. And so... She said, how how do you know? How can I trust anything that you say? And Destiny says, well, 
my dear, you're a scientist. You tell me how one would go about proving something like that. I test it, experience it for myself in my next life. Will you? Will you embrace what you are and help your people instead of hurt them? She don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find out. You're dead now. <laughs> I don't want to die like this. Dying like this is what a life poorly lived gets you. Pyro, Pyro being one of the other members of this brotherhood team. Then I love Ooh. the reflection of her face. Yes, yeah. I was just going to say that. That's just, an awesome that's an awesome image. And then just lit up slowly so she doesn't forget how dying like this feels. Oh snap. This is uh, this is an intense threat from destiny yeah well destiny needs to make her point yeah she needs to make moira fear this you and this line of thinking leads to mutants becoming defeated and if you do that i'm gonna come for you i mean if you can't if a person can reincarnate this a slow painful death that they have to remember is the Yeah. In most intense torture you can you can inflict on someone. Yeah. And so this this just changes how she approaches it. Her fourth life begins with urgency, throwing herself fully into understanding what she would eventually call the human mutant dilemma. Dilemma. It's like problem, but we're saying dilemma, so it sounds a little nicer. <laughs> Evolution demands either adaptation or dominance. This is the dilemma that she sees. And so. Oh, snap. She makes an attempt to actually see Charles Xavier for what he's trying to do and for who he's trying to be and ends up falling in love with him. He was a twist. He was a mutant with a dream. And over time, it made her love him. And I love this. I love this page. I feel like this looks like. A lot of the imagery that we know of the X-Men universe. So you've got the original five. You've got the giant size team. That third panel is the Avengers versus X-Men arc. Hey, Captain America shield. Yep. And Wolverine claws on the other side. Oh. Because he's not on the the side of X-Men. He's an Avenger. Well, so this particular time, there was a rift between the superhero community about what to do. Regarding the Phoenix Force. You know the Phoenix Oh, Force. yes. The Phoenix Force actually incarnates into these five mutants. Cyclops, Magic, Emma Frost, Colossus, and Namor. So they all have it. It's all it's split between the five of them. Dang. That's dangerous. And so this this happens, she lives this life, but even still, as Destiny promised, the humans and their extinction machines come for them. And all their children. So this is like over and over and over and over again. The X-Men are assembled and taken down by the Sentinels, basically. This is. Is this multiple lives of no, hers? No, this is just one life. Oh, this, this is, is all happens this is in that, one life. that fourth life where she and Xavier fall in love and she stands with him throughout all the years. And this is like the progression of those years. But even still, it ends with the destruction at the hand of the sentinels and the humans. Gotcha. And then she's born again. And we do it one more time. 
Fifth life, she decided aggression was the only acceptable response to the violent tendencies of man. So she seeks out Charles Xavier. She runs away from home at the age of 13, flies to America at 13, because if she dies, if she were to crash in a plane crash like she did in her second life, she wouldn't be reincarnated. So she waits until she's got her mutant powers. Yep. And then she's like, peace she, out, y'all. I got to get this done. She seeks out Charles Xavier almost a full decade before they were supposed to meet, opening her mind to him for the first time. And he saw all that she had experienced in the first four lives. Well, He saw how his dream had failed, and this experience radicalized him. Yeah. Radicalized him. Well, imagine, imagine being... Yeah. Optimistic like, oh. Charles Xavier. I'm going to save. Um, I love the humans and the mutants. It's all going to be all great. I'm going to save everybody. And then what? I failed. How many times? I failed. Not once. Not twice. Four times. But four times. And so instead of a school, he's gathering legions of mutants, building a city of man's evolutionary betters behind walls to hold back the world of man. But the machines... Bolivar Trask's adaptive learning machines come for the mutants again. Dang it, Moira. It didn't work. Yeah. No matter how, and and they see that, so, you know, if the mutants are assembling what looks like on a moon base with this separate world, the humans still see that as a threat. And so they send their sentinels. So if Destiny knew that no matter what, this was going to happen, Destiny doesn't have any way of saying this is a way to avoid this she can only see the possibilities she can't she doesn't have a clear readout of how you avoid that but she sees this attack from the humans attack from the machines as the potential end unless unless moira devotes herself to saving the mutant race so in the first time around Destiny saying, listen, this thing that you've created, this cure. Yeah, that was her fourth life. Is That's her fourth life? Uh, that was her third life. That was her third life. Okay. So this cure that you've created is essentially the jumping off point for well the destruction of mutants the by humans. The cure accelerates the fact that like the humans distrust mutants regardless of what Moira does. Right. So then... In her uh, her lives following that, instead of does working, she still come up with this cure, or no. the sentinels are just she created? She's abandoning the cure because Destiny is threatening that if you if you work in a way that's going to undermine everything that mutants are trying to do, I'm going to come for you. So why can't you use this knowledge, use this power, to give us an upper hand? And so that's what she's trying by meeting Charles Xavier ten years earlier than she should have opening up her mind about all this and it radicalizing him. So they tried to, they tried to segregate themselves. They tried to pull away to form legions of their own and create a society, but the machines still come for them. Right. Because the humans always think that they're up to no good. So if you're forming your own society, you must be planning to take us over. Right. I love this. And so we go from, we go from the fifth life to the seventh life. Moira spent the entirety of her seventh life eradicating the Trask bloodline. Later. Without mercy, without pity, she came for all of their children. This page. Yeah, the splintering of. It's so interesting. 
it's like this is her and her weapon and these are all the times that she takes someone out yeah and that's all happening in her seventh life in her seventh life um if destiny's correct she's better get it together she's running out of lives right and what happens is even though she takes out bolivar trask and all of his bloodline the machines still come Right, well, because she's a mutant and she's taking out this man who hates mutants. So that's therefore there's a there's an additional threat. It's only going to radicalize the humans into needing to pursue the work that he had started. Someone else is going to pick it up, and that's sort of the the angle or the storyline that they use in the movies too, Mm -hmm. with Mystique saying, "If you do this, if you do that, because she tries to kill him, right? She tries to kill Bolivar Trask, right." And that's when they send Wolverine back and they're like, yo, don't do that because it's just going to make it worse. Okay, look at me making connections. It's cool too how this, so are these, the way these two pages are set up um, when you're looking at them in the book and they're side by side, it's like each murder then diagonally goes into, are these reactionary or like cause and effect sort of things, or that's just a could be just a layout. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's like a prism. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kind of like the cover of the original, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. In Life Seven, Moira is way more of a badass. Yeah. Well, I mean, so to think that her opening up her mind radicalized Xavier in year, her life, her fifth life. And also, this is life seven, so we're skipping six. We don't know. Yeah, what happened in six? We don't know what happened in six. I don't. I know what happened in six. Oh, rude. (laughs) But I don't know. And if you're just starting to read the comics, you don't know. So let's be upset about that together. Yep. (laughs) But get ready for the eighth life. Oh, so she just dies fighting sentinels. Yeah. Oh, God. Sentinels in Life 7 look like zombies. Kind of, yeah. That that third panel on that page. Yeah, that's awesome. I love to see the the variance in characters over different timelines or different story art, how they have flavor of the originals and then tweak them. Mm-hmm. I always like to see that. It kind of reminds me of cosplay and how you know people will come up with their own version of someone. Yeah. And just to be able to see the different influences or the different ideas that can be connected to one character in their costuming or their look is really interesting. Well, kind of like the connecting variant covers that we were looking at before that show these different timelines or these different places in the lives of these characters. Of yeah. Like what time affects them how. It's just cool to look at and to think about. Okay. Life eight. In her eighth life, she embraces the necessary evil of the master of magnetism. <laughs> so she's, she's like, Charles doesn't work. Xavier, the dream of Charles Xavier doesn't work. I need to go bigger. And she goes to Magneto's secret base, fills his mind with stories of future holocausts, another war lost, oh another people destroyed, and Magneto raged. Okay. Ugh. Why is there a big octopus behind him? <laughs> That's just the base that he's operating out of, I think, in like the late mid to late 80s or early early to mid 80s. 
Jay and Miles explain the X-Men call it Octopusheim. I just like it because Hydra. <laughs> Hydra is an octopus. Magneto and Hydra come together in my dreams. <laughs> okay, yay. So Magneto so... rages, right? And and he he's now radicalized by this so information. So she, she tells him she... all the same stuff. She has to like kind of lay it out right. because she doesn't have... Charles's ability to read his mind. And then Magneto is like, excuse me, Oh, what? hell no. Yeah, okay. And so, but he falls to the combined might of Earth's human heroes and the mutants. Betrayed by his own kind, fools who believed in a greater human good. Yo. The Hulk is here and Thor and Iron Man. Everybody. Everybody's trying to stop. Heidi. That's awesome. So they're just like, listen, Magneto, no, no, no. Yeah. What are those, nukes? He's trying to nuke everybody? Yep. And they're like, um, excuse me, sir. Please do not do this. We shall band together and defeat you. And Moira's like, great, life nine, here I come. Moira's ninth life. What she feared was little time left, little lives left. Moira embraced the idea of evolutionary dominance, survival of the fittest. Some thought him a monster. Some called him evil. But to Moira, apocalypse was simply the only solution she had not tried. Oh, Moira. Well, what do you do? I mean, I don't know. You keep on dying. Everybody keeps on defeating you. You Yeah, well, let me just take a page from Charles Xavier's book. And why don't you try being a little bit more peaceful in your life instead of constantly trying to wage war? He tried that, though. Charles tried that. Charles tried that for the first couple of times. And they still nothing. I know. It's just apocalypse is just just a bad, bad guy. He's the almost... He's the baddest. Except for that Mr. Sinister. Yeah. I just like to say his name. Mr. Sinister. (laughs) Okay, so Moira, she is, she looks like Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. She's So is she one of the four horsemen now? It looks like it, yeah. Snap. Yeah, on that next page. That next page is beautiful. Yeah, that battle. Yeah. Who's he fighting? Hold on. Oh, Nimrod. And you got machine gun toting Moira. She's back in her glory of kicking ass, taking names. This is awesome. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. But that's interesting because, so this is Apocalypse and Moira. Oh, Nimrod is on the side of the Sentinels. Right. Right. Okay. And Nimrod has existed previously and seems to come about as a part of Nimrod is an advanced sentinel. Gotcha. From the future. And Apocalypse is essentially thinks along the lines of Magneto that mutants are the the superpower. They are the superior life force and they should be in charge. Yeah. But he wants to eliminate humans or eliminate everyone and just be... Apocalypse wants survival of the fittest. Apocalypse wants only the strongest mutants to move up to the top. And and he, in previous comics, has always been searching for the 12, the 12 most powerful mutants that would be able to stop this 
So apocalypse is just like I'm just gonna live my life with twelve peeps. Yeah. We're just gonna hang out. It's my little We're group. We're gonna be really incestual. We're just gonna like then when a thirteenth person is born, we just knock one oh. of the twelve out. So we always have twelve people. Yeah. That doesn't sound very smart, apocalypse. <laughs> You're really, you're really gonna have some weird generations. But it, his thinking evolves over time. And yeah. All right. Well, he's still the worst. And then, and then, after all the lives oh, lost, man. after the end of all the wars, armed with the knowledge that all the old ways and all the old ways of thinking would never be enough to save the people. She decided to try something truly revolutionary. In Moira's tenth life, she decided she and Charles Xavier would break all the rules. Got little goosebumps when you said that. Would break all the rules? What are the rules? Hey, look at this. We've seen this page before. We're back on that park bench. And it's shot for shot, this exact page. Well, here's the thing, Charles. It's not a dream if it's real. Whoa. Okay. So this Charles, he doesn't know. Right. This is This Moira, is him finding out. Moira in her 10th life coming to him and saying, "We go way back." Yeah. Oh, and there's that other page again. Yeah. Nice. And I love how they do that where this page now has so much more meaning than it did just last issue yeah because well we as the reader know so much more now right we're now informed as to a little bit of what he's seeing he's now seeing these 10 lives or or nine previous lives of moira amazing i am here i have always been here moira x hold on this is the end yeah what the heck that went by so fast well then we have we have some infographic of the many lives of Moira X with some timeline markers of some various things that happen. And as you can see, there is one that's missing from that diagram. Yeah, number six. Why number six? Why? And then you turn, it goes even further. Oh, wow. Holy moly. And so there's just a couple of points that are reiterated in... Throughout the... I don't know why this one just stuck out to me. You're 15. Moira meets Kenneth Cohen. Does not fall in love. And so that's (laughs) who would have been her husband in the the first place. It's just does not fall in love, period. Instead, she enrolls in Oxford, becomes a biology professor, and just shows over the course of these lives how she grows and where her lives end. Year 24, Moira joins Magneto. That a girl. And then, and then it ends and they all end. Okay. Let's just go through. I just want to see like her different deaths. Moira dies of congestive heart failure. Moira dies in a plane crash. That was when she decided to go and find him. And she's 44 at that time. I didn't, didn't see that in the art, but that's interesting to know that she had gone through Oxford. She had learned all these things in the second line. And then at 44 when... Xavier reveals himself. Yeah, because she enrolled at Oxford at 16. She's super smart. Dies in a laboratory fire. 
So that's against Pyro and Destiny and Mystique. A quote-unquote laboratory fire. Moira dies in a sentinel attack. And that was the life with having fallen in love with Charles and being with him throughout all the years. And then injured in a sentinel attack in a coma. And is far. then it says genocide at far away. So far away is the little moon town. Yeah. Okay. That Charles builds for them. And then that seventh life, that's when she hunts all the different, even says kills this Trask, kills Gwyneth Trask, kills Simon Trask. And then she's, she dies discovering a wild master mold facility. Which master mold facility would be a place where they make sentinels? So a master mold is a giant sentinel that makes sentinels. Oh my. It has the ability to create sentinels. Just like show up in a place and just pop out sentinels. If you, I kind of want to show you the previous cartoon version of him where he's just this giant robot sitting in a chair and there's a sentinel factory all around him as he's producing these machines that's crazy moira dies in a failed prison escape and that was when she had aligned with magneto ah and then number nine she's 42 apocalypse war begins and then we don't know what happens. We don't really know what happens. And then number 10. House of X. You don't know what happens. That's interesting that number nine doesn't have a death. Intrigued. Intrigued. Where's number six? What happens in the end of number nine? And number 10 is... The story we're reading. The story we're reading. And so, this red issue... This, mm-hmm. In our list of the order in which you should read them, this one is in red. Is that because it reveals all this stuff about Moira and it's basically like a linchpin in what is going to happen mm. in this lifeline of hers, essentially? Like, I think so. I believe it was said that things in red were to call certain significance to. Interesting. Why do you think it is that this cover, like this variant cover, has all these women on it? Well, Moira is bringing that power, right? She is now joining the ranks of these awesome mutant women who have been celebrated before her, before she was realized to be a mutant. Who is this woman with a dragon? Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride has a dragon? That's Lockheed. Yep. Amazing. Lockheed's great. Cool. Wow. Overall thoughts? Overall thoughts. Um, Another mind-blowing issue. Yeah, it's fantastic. It went by quick. My brain feels so much happier than the last issue. I could fully understand what was going on in this issue. It added a ton, but added it in more of a singular line of conceptual thinking. Where it was like, hey, here's this idea that Moira, someone that you've known there's things that you don't know about her. There's things that she has been doing all along and now is taken beyond where we've seen her in the past. Yeah. It was a nice bundle of information. It was interesting. It was visually pleasing to look at. And it was also a nice palate cleanse 
after so, so, so much information in yeah. the last one. Yeah. There's a lot of information in here because she has a lot of lives, but it also is told in a simplified way that makes it really easy to understand and easy to follow. And it's such a cool concept too. Like I just, this was probably one of my favorite issues, if not my favorite issue of these two miniseries. And I was just really interested in how this information would change their approach. And we, we've seen how it's changing their approach where mm-hmm. the assembly on Krakoa, the connection between Xavier and Magneto, like we can assume that that's all happening because of what now Charles has read in Moira's mind. Right. And in this timeline, in this instance of her life, now since Charles and Magneto are working together, I'm sure Magneto knows or will know at some point, like now that Moira is telling Charles all this, I would imagine he's going to tell Eric. Maybe not. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see next time. Next time. Do you have any um, last thoughts or anything you want to? Or we kind of just did that little back and forth. Yeah. Awesome. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.